to know how to put the thing in the thing welcome back my name is chris i'm andy and i'm steve and this is streaming things the number one stop for stranger things recaps yeah it's not number one but it's a very good one and you can help make it number one by subscribing smash that subscribe button as they say on the youtube and take time to rate and review it it could pay off for you if you're hearing this soon enough. By November 1st, if you screenshot your rating and review and send it to streamingthingspod at gmail.com, you are entered to win automatically by virtue of said email a hundred bones. Yeah, we individually mail you different bones from different creatures up to a hundred. <laughs> How much of a human body is that? Uh, isn't there like, I don't know. Mr. Clark, call him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's $100, and it's going to be in the form of an Amazon gift card, and you can get a lot of your holiday shopping done early with that gift card. Sure can. You can buy 10 distant sort of friends gifts. Boy, howdy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you could uh, do that for us. That would pay off for you and for us, because we're really trying to compete. Well, we got Bald Move, uh, a podcast called Strange Indeed, a bunch of random motherfuckers that don't seem to have don't anything to do with it. give them the ad space. <laughs> <laughs> they They've know. won. They're trying to beat them. <laughs> they know. Uh, we really think we offer something special here at Streaming Things, uh, some wonderful personalities. So just, you we know. We got Andy. <laughs> and Andy. You can also we listen to them. <laughs> they don't have Andy. You can also <laughs> listen to them. I'm just merely asking for a COM promise. That you support us as well, and you can tweet it out, share us, follow us on Twitter <laughs> at String Thing Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at Stranger Things Podcast, and uh, yeah, just do all that. Do all of that. Seems like a lot to ask, but it's really not. And this is uh, Chapter Three, the Polywog, where Netflix describes things go down like this. Dustin adopts a strange new pet, and Eleven grows increasingly impatient. A well-meaning Bob urges Will. To stand up to his fears. Oh, well-meaning Bob. Uh, first off, overall thoughts on the show. I have to say, I'm a huge fan of the show. If you guys are fans of streaming things by now, you know this. Uh, we are famous for our deep, deep dives with episodes of this podcast that are longer than every of the Netflix shows, right? Yeah. Twice so as long, probably. We, we love the show. <laughs> we love talking about it and sharing it with you all. This was probably the worst Stranger Things episode I have ever seen. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, I agree. It was uh, the most frustrating by far. Uh, just so many things that you want to happen. They tease then don't quite happen. And a lot of it is just like set false threads of like creating discord that they're all going to have to set aside in order to deal with what the plot is going to be. But I'd rather just get to the plot. Yeah. You know, it reminded me of like season five of Game of Thrones. <laughs> Right. You know? Oh, season five of Game of Thrones. During <laughs> No, just one little episode. I'm not saying this. The whole season so far, it's been a pleasurable experience. But I think this is, um, it, it, it evinces 
how quickly the Duffer brothers had to write versus season one. And there's some just very, I'm uncomfortable with the, you know, um, tropey TV things that are going on. Will Eleven see Mike and meet him again? No, it's Max in the boys' locker room doing something weird. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Like, there's clearly a twist there with her character, I think. I don't, don't think she was looking for Dart. I think there was some, maybe she has a dick. I don't know. Plot twist. That's why her name's Max. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there, guys. Yeah. Should have seen it coming. Um, <laughs> my name's Max. <laughs> it's just a California guy with long hair this whole time. That happens a why lot. Why these Hawkins kids really like me? That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it ended on uh, an above average cliff indie, cliffhangery note, I felt. Mm-hmm. Uh, very binge worthy. You seem particularly exasperated by the end of this episode. Like, well, that was it. Uh. Yeah, I was. Um, merely because of our style on this show is we watch every episode together and then we record the podcast right afterward. And so we all are stuck on episode three, chapter three, until we meet up again tomorrow or whenever. So there's that. Um, but yeah, I just really felt like some petty threads like Andy was hinting at um, going through this episode. And when we have a segment on the show called Chocolate Pudding, uh, where we choose our top three favorite moments. And all of us were struggling to pick our top three favorite moments. And I would posit that's because we didn't have three moments that stuck out to us. There just weren't those beats. Um, I could pick my tapioca pudding pretty easy. Yeah. You got some butterscotch pudding. The parts, I love butterscotch pudding. (laughs) The parts that I didn't like. Andy's like, hang up. You keep knocking (laughs) butterscotch. This is the second time. Uh, Just not a fan. Whatever. Maybe it's been a long time since I've had it. Anyway, we can just dive right into chapter three. Yeah, I'm interested to see what you guys didn't like explicitly. (laughs) Um, Well, I've been a drunk negative Nancy this whole season, I feel like, on a multiple note. I'll I'll be that guy. I'll be that guy. I don't think you have. I don't think there's this whole zeitgeist of uh, television criticism going out. I think it's like the Chris Hardwickian approach where you just love everything. Hey, guys, Chris Hardwick here. Uh, This is great. Yeah. I'm America's (laughs) Butters. (laughs) (laughs) He is. Uh, And I just I disagree that uh, valid negative criticism doesn't mean you don't like an intellectual property, mm-hmm. uh, especially if you love the art form, there's always something you can say. And I think a, an active critique shows your love for yeah. that thing. You know, like I love Star Wars so much, but I will critique the hell out of those prequels. Sure. But it's, I love them. It's part of the fun, and yeah. it helps us grow as as fellow nerds and as filmmakers ourselves and writers ourselves, and you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so this this episode opens off. I think it's Dustin's first uh, pre opening credit scene. I think um, where he has just captured. Um, the creature from the trash can and inter, uh, encounters his mom who is Claudia. Named Claudia. Yeah. Found that out. And a hilarious little sequence where <laughs> she can see something's wrong with them. And apparently she's an overly doting mother. Do you have constipation again? And, <laughs> and they realize there, she realizes he's lying and he knows that the jig is up and they just do this maniacal <laughs> laughter. And then this, it's over. <laughs> It really worked. It was hilarious. Uh, Gatton was crazy good there. Um, it's just a very endearing little fellow. Yeah, that so, laughter that they have is really funny. <laughs> so he goes into his room and puts the what I think is a you know a baby demogorgon. And by the end of the episode, it's pretty obvious, I guess. Mm-hmm. But immediately, I was like, "That's a fucking baby demogorgon. That's a Will slug straight from the mouth." You know, that has been inside Will. Get it out of there. Uh, and he takes his turtle yurtle and. <laughs> Removes Ugh. it from its home. Ugh. 
I hope it's not a baby Demogorgon. You just put this thought in my head that by the end of the series, there's going to be like a thousand three foot tall Demogorgons. And <laughs> That's horrifying. <laughs> the I don't teenager like that. years. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't what like I that. think is going to happen. It's mm-hmm. like, it reminds me, which is not a pleasant comparison. I'm just going to warn you all ahead of time of like Tremors 2. Where like you had the big cool monster and then the sequel, it's just a bunch of like little ones with legs and it's <laughs> yeah. could have done with the not a sequel here. Uh, monster babies. <laughs> is that another one of your eighties songs you love, Steve? Uh that was a parody of the Muppet Babies theme song. Oh, okay. <laughs> Make your dreams come true. We talked about singing last time. It's happening. <laughs> uh, cut back to Hopper and Eleven, and he wins her over, sort of, with Egos. At least gets her out of bed. She's still not talking to him for being late home for their date. She's tired of being cooped up in the house, and he makes like this disgusting diabetic confection of a triple stack Ego with various candies and whipped creams and such in the middle of each layer. And she's super pissed, but she's like, hmm. Triple stack Ego? <laughs> Um, I, I like to check um, this out, see what's going on here. I do like how they they establish for sure that Hopper is the one putting the the uh, the egos and stuff in that yes. uh, survival box that's out in the woods, and Eleven finds it. And I do like how that's how they actually meet. Like she finds it and then scopes that box out. Like who's who's leaving me these treats? Yeah, who's and giving me these treats? And you notice it's really fucking cold on the day she decides to reveal herself. Mm-hmm. Like it, the snow is thick, you know, and she's very scared, very furtive. I uh, don't, don't know if you can, and I'm trying to recall her interactions or knowledge of Hopper and I rack in my brain for any that she has. Uh, in the gym, the bathtub episode. For oh, sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. sure. Okay. So she does know that he's on her team. Yeah. I had the same thought too, watching it like, wait, does she know him? Yeah. But mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So she's like, eh, you know, bathtub guy, uh, what could go wrong? Uh, plus <laughs> it's really cold out here. It's worth the risk. Right. And she's giving me, I guess she pops out. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I do love that shot where he comes in and he's like, oh, you're still mad at me guess i'm gonna have to enjoy this triple decker ego supreme bonanza by myself and just the her look on her face where her eyes are like well the triple ego what yeah <laughs> i didn't know that was possible what is that yeah <laughs> is, is this the new word of the day <laughs> triple ego how do you spell that one is this like c-o-m promise they don't make it very clear t-r-p-l-e ego uh they don't make it very clear how uh hopper knows to put stuff out in that box it makes it seem like he just sort of started doing it and then she happened to show up and reveal herself. Yeah, well, like the end of season one, he just, I feel like he built that box. Yeah, but. Well, they have those boxes out in uh, woods in some places. Ego boxes? Not, well, <laughs> but they're, they're boxes Why? that people can put, like, just supplies. Just for to bring bears towards no. uh, domesticated areas? <laughs> no, just like communal survivor stuff, like a first aid box and just and, random stuff like that. In the woods behind Steve's house? <laughs> yeah, they out there. I mean, it's within a mile of Steve's house. <laughs> I've seen those. Uh, normally, they have books in them in urban areas, and you can mm-hmm. just take one and leave one. Yeah. Uh, so then she's arguing with him, and she starts to freak out. She's impatient, and she's like, "He's like, don't worry, soon." I guess his plan is that he's going to make it okay for her uh, her to exist, which is she's right. That's a bullshit plan. That's never going to happen. He's trying to, I feel like, keep her at bay. Uh, in fact, friends don't lie, but we see Hopper lie to her at least once in this in this episode. And um, <clears throat> she has a countdown. I don't know if she has an eidetic memory or if that's just supposed to characterize her for how much she cares about this or how important it is for her mm-hmm. to reunite with Mike. Uh, she's like, you said that on day 20. You said that on day 200. You said that on day 252. You know, 
And he's like, whoa, kind of creeping me out here, uh, Jane. You know, are you a prisoner? <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's true. He's like, it's what you do in jail, you know, like little stereotypical chalk marks on the wall, if you will. Um, yeah, what, did, you, did you think that it made her, like, eidetic, or it's just some strict characterization? Well, I, I, what I think it probably was is that, like, on the days when he said that were probably also days when she listened in on Will and Will, or, or on Mike, and Mike has been saying what day it is every time that he gets on the radio. Uh-huh. So I, I think that that's how she knows, like, it's day 252 or whatever, because she would have heard Mike say that. Or is that evidence that she also listens every single day? Maybe. Which is cool, too. I think it's both, because it does it does put that parallel with her and Mike counting down the days, but also her escaping is so important to her that whenever he says, like, you're leaving soon, that's going to be, like, the biggest deal in her life at that point. It's like, oh, sure. he said soon. It's day 20, so day 21, tops, I'm out. <laughs> uh, and then she just keeps getting let down. I don't mean to be an asshole here, um, but I do want to point out something that it doesn't bother me at all. I'm willing suspension of disbelief is just way, way back in my rear view for this kind of thing. But I, I'm always disturbed at childhood love stories, not disturbed. It just not even, I don't know what the word is. I need some help from Hopper with my vocab. Here, Uncomfortable with, I, I just don't, I barely believe in true love for adults. Um, very unromantic. And my wife is, you can go snitch on me if you want, Steve. She's well aware of this and agrees with me that there's a good few a million women that I could probably spend a happy life with. I'm mm. just a very practical person. Um, and that sounds, un- I'm also a very romantic person. I doesn't sound like it, but I am, uh, <laughs> I dig poetry. Uh, you know, so <laughs> ladies, you heard it. A few million of you out there digging poetry. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. There's a few million lucky ladies. Roses are red, <laughs> violets are blue. I just stabbed Chris in the hand <laughs> with my blue pen. The pen was blue. <laughs> wow, had to be here, folks. It was funny. Uh, Sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's fucking thirteen, you know, and she's. 11 that's who she is she's 13 and they're trying to paint this like you know reuniting love story which is adorable but am i being too cynical here like the odds of them staying together for life she was (laughs) andy's laughing at me you're thinking about the long game of this teenage yeah i mean she was his first kiss this is gonna be over by junior year and you're really dragging out this fucking plot line here um, yeah, but at the if same they were, time, if like, they weren't romantically involved and just had a close friendship bond, the mm-hmm. kind that Steve believes in, I would be much more on board with it. <laughs> God, <laughs> Steve, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to think back to being 13, like, you know, your first crush or first girlfriend or whatever. That is the most important thing in your life. And like the most important thing in the world at that time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the mm-hmm. rest of the world be fucking damned. Like that girl in social studies, you know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> what matters. And you know, that's kind of where they're at, you know? That's, and, so I relate with it. And building off of that, you know, from 11's perspective, Mike is the first and really only person that's 100% like cared for her, been there for her and done all sorts of things with, with for her. her. And from Mike's perspective, taught her all her catchphrases. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and from Mike's perspective, you know, that's more like that's his first love, but she's kind of dead. Like she, she was taken from him in a very traumatic experience, but he's kind of haunted by her literally. Yeah. And so that's going to always be in his head. So it's almost like these two people that couldn't move on, even if they could just 
by circumstances. See, this is why I like to say these things out loud. And it's my, my lease on life in general is to be honest with uncomfortable thoughts and then talk our way through them. And I always say these things and, you know, normally you guys talk me into a different, more comfortable viewpoint on the show. But not this time. (laughs) But this time you fuckers are wrong. (laughs) And that's what's happening this time, for sure. I was just thinking, and as I say all this, I think it'd be more realistic if he was, like, dating Jennifer Hayes and then, like, saw her, like, oh, shit, my girl. Dude, we'll be dating Jennifer Hayes. We all know that. (laughs) Will's got that on lockdown. So, uh, yeah, she was crying. And... But as you spoke, I was thinking I, I, I was deeply in love as as much as a child could be at 14 or so with a girl in high school that I haven't seen in over a decade who I still very much care about. I really mm-hmm. and I never dated her even. You know, I mean, we were just good friends. She moved away and I still love her. Isn't that weird? Mm-hmm. Isn't that creepy? No, uh, we, all, <laughs> we all have that, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. OK. Same girl. Get the fuck away, Steve. <laughs> Why do you think she moved away? <laughs> okay, okay, I feel less weird. All right, I feel you there, Mike. So uh, then we cut to a scene where Joyce is freaking out about her keys, like it is Will Byers. You notice that unhinged Winona? Where the fuck are they? <laughs> Smoking. She's always looking for her keys too. No. This is not a- the first time where she's like, Jonathan. She's a scrambly lady. Yeah. Another self-referential thing for them with her looking for her keys. Yeah. Isn't that like in the first episode? I thought, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a uh, the throwback there as well. And it turns out Bob finds the keys very suspiciously, yeah. I felt like. Oh, they were under the jeans there. And I think it was a subtle moment. I don't know. I feel like he had lifted her keys to place a bug in her car, perhaps. Or there was just some tomfoolery there. I got. I do not think that was an innocent location you, of the keys. You, your theory still is that Bob is some sort of government agent sent to spy on them. I'm and, sold on this now, too. At I best. Said really? it in the middle of the ep- episode while we were watching it. Like, dude, mm-hmm. you're so right about that guy. Wasn't that a creepy moment? Well, I think it was supposed to be more of a reveal that he had stayed the night. Because Jonathan, like, leans into Joyce. Like, so he's staying the night now? Like, so, like. Mm-hmm. They, they're having their morning ritual where we, yeah. we've gotten the impression that she was always looking nowhere. for her keys and he's like I found them guys yeah, yeah. You know? and it kind of goes to Jonathan's oh. not liking Bobby because he found the keys and that's kind of like been established that you know uh, the I kids are the keys. ones that find their keys and like, who oh, fuck is Bones yeah, coming in on our family function I'm so stuck on this fucking Sean Astin's evil vibe that I, I mean I still think that. that's a I still think that's a pretty solid theory okay I mean, well, I, I'm I'm not there yet to say like that's a hundred percent what's happening, but I'm like, okay, I could see where there this could go that way. You always like to see the best people, Steve. I do. It's mm-hmm. a fault. Uh, <laughs> so uh, then we cut to Dustin, who's still trying to research on what kind of creature he has found in his garbage can, and and also, okay, here's what it is. You want it from me, Steve? This is it. Lay it on me. I don't like this. Dustin's obsessed with this creature thing. It, it doesn't annoys make me that he's lying to his friends and he's not a lonely person. I've never seen him to love animals. He barely touches his fucking cat. Muse never gets no love. He Muse never gets no love. He like he evicts Yertle out of his yeah. cage. He's, he's like, like, sorry, Yertle, something cool came up. Yertle's been there through thick and thin. Yeah, and he just takes him. Oh, by the way, you're homeless now. What I've happened got, to that turtle? <laughs> I've got a booger with legs that needs to live here, even though it doesn't like any of the amenities. I got to turn the light off. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I hate this whole plot thread. We'll talk about it as it comes up repeatedly. Uh, he outright lies to his friends to protect this creature later. Now, if there's one thing we've learned. Friends, Friends don't lie. Don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> you lie. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So we cut to the library. He's renting more books out, but he's already got five books checked out. And is that the librarian that Hopper banged? Yes. I couldn't recognize That's it. the okay. same. Is it? Awesome. Okay. I could understand. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. She's cute. Yeah. Anyway, 
Uh, I digress. Um, the librarian is no Mr. Clark, is what I have written down, because Dustin tries to pull his same old thing here. I'm on a, uh, a, a curiosity voyage, voyage, and these are my paddles. You know, some Mr. Clark shit. Mr. Clark would have been like, "You got me your, again. You, got me. <laughs> you need your paddles, Dustin. God damn it, you adorable <laughs> kid. <laughs> you need your paddles. Here you Matter go. Matter of fact, check out these other books over here in this section. I think that they will also help you on your voyage. So she's not having it. She follows the rules of the library, and he decides to. Rob a government institution. That's essentially what he does. <laughs> they were federally funded libraries, and he mm-hmm. steals the books and runs away. I love the way he steals them, too. He's like, what's that? <laughs> like, all he's going to do is get a couple feet. He could have just done that while she was watching him, essentially. I love the the idea of a small town where he's, he is. He's robbing the library, and she's like, Dustin! Yeah. Dustin! Oh, he's gone. Stop it. I'm going to tell your it. mom at Bingo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, they probably definitely love Bingo. Oh, I am going to send him a late notice so hard. <laughs> <laughs> but analog because there's no yeah, she's I mimed writing a note yeah for <laughs> listeners they don't have the technology analog. uh Bob dad's will is my next note so we cut to uh Bob uh giving will a ride to school in the Bobmobile I think he called it yeah mm-hmm. You want to ride in the Bobmobile? Not at all. And since you called it that the is what I said the frustrating thing about watching Bob is he's such a dweeb and, but at the same time, I'm like, God damn it, that's going to be me in 20 years. I just <laughs> know it. He's I'm such be, a good guy. You guys want to get in the Steve-mobile? I'm like, <laughs> my kids are going to be like, shut up. We hate you. Call it the Stew-mobile. Stew-mobile? Okay. Hopefully you're not going to be working at Radio Shack. You're not going to be able to provide for those children. That's true. Uh, but everything else. <laughs> He's just going to be a hermit in a closed-down Radio Shack. <laughs> you want to ride in the Steve-mobile? <laughs> he doesn't have kids. Get away from us, Mr. Steve. <laughs> I want to tell you about Mr. Baldo. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Come check out Mr. Baldo, which is coincidentally how you would refer to your penis if you were creepy yeah, hurt Steve. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> he has no hair. Steve is currently Mr. Baldo, dude committed to his uh, Levin costume listeners. He uh, <laughs> shaved the beard, shaved the head. I look like a Mr. Baldo. I look like a penis. Let's just be honest. I look like a dick right now. <laughs> no, a penis. Like a giant I think penis. A dick lends it a masculinity that you just aren't rocking. <laughs> well, I that's look true. Like a, I look like a cock. I'm like, no, you don't. Like a completely limp. <laughs> you look like a penis. <laughs> flaccid wiener. Speaking of wieners, uh, so back to Bob. Mr. Baldo, did anyone else get a distinct nostalgic Mr. Frodo? Uh, when he was saying, telling that story, I did mm-hmm. not. I didn't. It didn't. I totally think yeah. that was intentional. I did tell you a story about Mr. Baldo, Mr. Frodo. Well, I got a very. So you got that too. I, well, I got not necessarily that, but when he started going, when he started yelling, like "Go away!" Like it reminded me of uh, him yelling yeah. at Gollum. Yeah. Cause <laughs> yeah. Probably because it's Sean Astin doing it, but at the yeah. same time, it's like that's where's Gollum at? Where's he at? It'd been super Mr. weird Frodo. if he was teaching him how to cook potato stew in the kitchen <laughs> or something. Potatoes. <laughs> Stick him in a stew. retarded, Will? It's a potato. Uh, anyway. What if he did, he, instead of Mr. Baldo, he's like, did I ever tell you about Mr. Frodo? <laughs> I was the waiting ring. for it. I think it was a Bilbo Frodo crossover reference. I'm going to stick to it. Uh, so basically, essentially, he tells Will, you got to stand up to your bullies because he saw on his old JVC the tape of him getting picked on on Halloween or trick or treat night, excuse me. And uh, he was just, I've got to give this kid some advice because my life was really rough. I got picked on a lot. So I'm going to tell him about this time that I uh, stood up to this bad dream I was having. Well, he told told him that because he heard Will having bad dreams. Right. Mm. But we find out later he had also seen the videotape. That's true. That he's being bullied. And I think it's all 
It's all one big thing. It's all one big Bob thing. Bob had a busy will. morning. But now that yeah. I'm on board with, now that I'm on board with the whole uh, nefarious Bob, that's what I'm gonna call him from now mm. on. The nefarious Bob, Bob thread, the Bad. I'm wondering if that's like something that he uh, is being told to do. Like get this kid to stay in there. We need to know what's happening. Like, you know, get on his good side, get him to confide on you so we can get our data. Right. It could be. Um Nefarious Bob. And then so we cut to school. Max is asking about Will, uh, talking. Apparently, she's chumming up with Lucas. I think Lucas is a little ahead of the game as far as dating Max over uh, Dustin. I would say. Well, Dustin has a new love. Dustin, yeah, maybe that's why he's turning to the booger. Uh, she's like, she calls him like you fucking cockless idiot, you know. And she's hanging out with Lucas in the hall, like, hey, what's up, Will, my dude? Um, but yeah, she's trying to pry Lucas for information on Will, and he covers up. Better than anyone else in this show has been able to cover up uh, government information as far as I've seen. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a rotting corpse that it was another kid who had drowned, which is not true. And he just came up with it on the fly. It was very convincing. I doubted my own knowledge of season one. That's how convincing it was. Everyone else is like, even all the adults. Yeah, dude, definitely not anything that you would see on X-Files, which is a show that'll <laughs> be in like 10 years. <laughs> it's a big deal. David Duchovny. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, like he, it's awful. It's really hard for me to watch those little ones. I don't know. It sounds like I'm disliking it way more than I am, but I'm just picking hard at the at the gaps. Um, that's your job, man. That's what that's, we do here on streaming things. Yes, that's what we're paid streaming to do. Streaming things. Streaming things. Picking holes. <laughs> uh, we cut to Mr. Clark with his Phineas Gage reference, which is a real story. I want to yeah. clue you guys in real quick. Uh, I read a man. Uh, that's not true. I read a book about a man. It's called A Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat by Oliver Sacks in high school in an AP psychology class. And it's all about neurological disorders and the, kind of the stranger than fiction vibe. And there, so it's a real story of the late 1800s. A man named Phineas Gage was struck through the skull by a rail rod uh, and it pierced his frontal lobe. And your frontal lobe is the part of your brain that dictates your personality and your inhibitions. So, which coincidentally, sidebar doesn't stop fully forming until you're about in your late 20s, around 28, hmm. which is why kids in their early 20s that think they're adults are stupid and dangerous because their personalities are not fully formed. They don't have their inhibitions fully formed yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a good idea, kids. It was like a nightmare lobotomy that this guy went through. Yeah. So he started, yeah. he was survived, but he came home. He was very quiet, very angry, prone to outrage, I believe, um, yeah. violent outbursts. Um, so this was talked about because it's obviously a metaphor for Will because he's been through a traumatic experience. And, and he had a rod back. shoved in his head. He did. You remember that? Well, <laughs> yeah. he had a phallus, like yeah. alien phallus shoved in his mouth. Yeah, he and that'll did. fuck you up for sure. Yeah. That's a frontal lobing I don't want. <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously this is a metaphor for Will and what he's gone through. And they're really hammering this home. I think it's like the fourth allusion to things can't go back to the way they were. Uh, and I didn't like it when Jonathan said the same thing that Hopper said to Nancy later. That was one of them like, okay, I, we get it. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> Hawkins. It's going to suck when they pull the rug out from under us and things do go back the way they were. <laughs> it becomes a Saved by the Bell reboot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is he going to date Samantha? Eleven starts doing Zach Moore's powers where she's like, time out. <laughs> like everyone freezes. <laughs> Uh, and then I just thought of showgirls out of nowhere. So it's the Saved by the Bell thing. Anyway, that's where she went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't know if you like thought I just went there. I thought you were just like, man, Eleven should be on showgirls. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. Bad Steve. Kelly Kapowski. I was Nancy. Okay. Uh, so then Dustin. <laughs> 
Dustin uh, comes late to class and interrupts the class more with his apologies <laughs> than just walking in. And it's pretty fucking hilarious. Yeah. Sorry, I'm ready to learn now. I'm here now. Don't worry. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here now, ready to learn. Get me get my books out. Sorry about that, Mr. Clark. <laughs> Instead of just fucking sitting down. Uh, and then front row turns into a huddle and starts to talk about what he's found, uh, which is extremely annoying. For me, as a good student, I was a little bothered by that. Thing. Like, the man is right there trying to teach the children. He's like, Mr. Clark says, Dustin. He's like, yes, my lord. <laughs> yeah. little, uh Nerdy reference there as well. Lord. I love the thumbs up from Maxine in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. AV Club. I, I got it. Yeah. Don't like you. Talk to Lucas. Max. <laughs> That's my dude. Max, you hear me? Uh, then uh, we get Hopper figuring something out about the disturbed pumpkins, the, the diseased crops. Uh, on the map, he realizes that the Hawkins lab is in the middle and all of the diseased pumpkins create uh, concentric circles radiating out. So the disease seems to stem from ye old goo gate from season one. Hashtag goo gate. Hashtag goo gate. 2K17. <laughs> Start that shit. Dear listeners, hashtag goo gate. Let's get it running. Um, so then we get a little flashback again, getting some more insight into I think Hopper and Eleven and what has already transpired in the past is by far the most interesting thing about this episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when we get that, that it was his granddad's house, that it, the cabin, a uh, little Sarah box in there, a nice little touch, some cobwebs, uh, and then a rigging the house with uh, tripwires slash cleaning it montage. And uh, Teaching Eleven how to use a broom. And Eleven is such a, an adorable <laughs> little mimicker. Like from the jump, yeah. As she's walking in, he knocks the snow off his boots, and she just kind of looks at him, cocks her head, and then starts knocking the snow off her boots. Like this is what people do. Friends don't lie or track snow in. <laughs> Heard that? Those are the two things I know in life. <laughs> <laughs> and egos are delicious. <laughs> that's number one. Yeah, that's that's number one on the list. Um, I've actually started eating Eggos again since watching this show. Anybody Dude, else? I ate eight Eggos last night. For real? Well, it was part oh, of my costume, yeah. and I, I, I had pre-cooked <laughs> the Eggos in the box so I could like pull them out and eat them and like sell the effect a little bit. Yeah. And by the time the night was over, I'd eaten eight of them. How many are in the box? Eight. eight. <laughs> There's ten. There's ten. <laughs> I thought there were eight. That's why I was asking. There's ten. Okay, you let you save two. There's ten. You should I, bring them to the party. <laughs> I stole a bite of my nephew's ego the other morning. Ooh, it'd be genius, oh, yeah, subtle it. marketing if they had eleven in each box from now on. That would be pretty clever. I'm gonna write egos. You owe me money, egos. I wonder how that would fit in the packaging. <laughs> and coincidentally, Netflix. <laughs> um, yeah, eleven kicking the shoes. Got that. And then, so he lays down the the ground rules, the don't be stupid rules, the mm. three rules, which are only open the door with my special knock, which I think is, am I wrong? You got it. All right. That's it. It's not a secret anymore, man. Uh, Come on. Man. God. Uh, the second rule, always keep the blinds closed. And I love the way that they cut this. She's breaking each of these rules mm-hmm. as he's uh, retroactively enforcing them or you know, telling her about them. And the third rule, never go outside at all. Definitely not during daylight as she's going outside during the daylight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, not stupid. <laughs> she's being super fucking stupid, which I don't know how I felt about that. As she's stepping over the tripwire, doing something extremely stupid. 
that's fine. I, I agree that emotionally she would be at a place in her life where she would break these rules. Mm. I just don't know that I liked her being like, I am stupid, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. What did you guys think? Steve Stone lie. I know you. I know you liked this episode a little bit more than we did. What did you feel? I think you did at least. How did you feel about that moment? I like that moment just because it's pure teen defiance. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> and See, I'll- Steve always brings me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. Favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's like, it's clearly a dumb thing for her to do. But like you mentioned, she's emotionally like needs to escape. And of course she would be like, I'm not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Leaping. I'll show you how smart this is. So over it. Okay. I'll tell you, mm. we'll get to later. Uh, one thing I will not move ground on that it didn't work uh, at all. But that's later. Okay. Uh, Steve and Nancy fight. So Nancy has no recollection of the things she said when she was wasted or even that Jonathan took her home. Uh, we get a little basketball confrontation, 80s, like Teen Wolf almost confrontation. Anybody get a Teen Wolf vibe with that basketball game? <laughs> that guy kind of looks like Teen Wolf. Yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, God, he's a weird looking dude, but in a, like a sexy way. He's got like... The, talking about Billy. The torso and abdomen of a, a model and then like weird like T-Rex arms. <laughs> like they're, they're, they're like rather short and not super muscular. I'm simultaneously aroused... In a, in a heterosexual way, but also like, hey, it looks really weird. I'm not a fan. It's weird. It's a weird feeling. He's got yeah. me like a whole mashup of emotions here. Yeah, uh, that Billy guy. So he's you know. a sexual conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call Billy a hot riddle. Yeah, <laughs> which made me think of griddle. So we're just, <laughs> we'll call him a griddle. Okay, he's a George Foreman, if you will. Um, yeah, I don't know what to what to make of this character. He's just trying to ball hard on Steve. <laughs> He's like, heard you were the king of this town before I got here. Is that true? <laughs> Called you King Steve before you turned into a little bitch. You know? Yeah. And, and Steve's, to his credit, like, let's just play basketball, man. What the fuck? <laughs> Which is probably the most normal thing that's ever happened on sh- this show. Yeah. Steve's like, dude, what the fuck's wrong with you? Why? Put your fucking shirt on. Do you have a boner? <laughs> Are you wearing eyeshadow? This is high school gym. Put clothes on. They must be doing shirts and skins, bro. I know this is 1984, but... By the way, if there was a shirts and skins call out, I can just picture Billy being like, I'm skins. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only two things in life. Super cool and skins. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I need to know what this outburst is. All I'm trying to say is dibs on skins. <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> Some reason hilarious to me. Ah. Dibs List. on skins. <laughs> See what I mean? No, I'm just going to say it randomly to make you laugh. <laughs> so, anyway... That's before the Steve and Nancy fight. They go outside in the alley. He apparently didn't pick her up from school on purpose, or for school on purpose. And he's acting coy. What the fuck, Steve? What? You know, <laughs> I missed first period. <laughs> Why'd you do that? <laughs> that sounds really stupid of you to do. <laughs> You're normally so good with school. Yeah. And, you know, he's like, well, why didn't you have your boyfriend pick you up? Which apparently Jonathan's claiming that Steve asked Jonathan to take her home, hmm. so, which is great because I was thinking it was really irresponsible of him to leave his pretty wasted girlfriend at this yeah. party blackout drunk. Um, so it's not right for him to knock Jonathan there, but he's upset. And yeah, 
and she does not defend herself. Um, he's like, yeah, you said we killed Barb. Everything's bullshit, 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 which is funny because it's yeah. literally what she said. And apparently you don't love me. What do you mean? Well, you said you don't love me. Do you love me? Say you love me. Mm. <laughs> I know. And she's like, why would I say I love oh, you? fuel guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like bring the fuel comes outside. Hey, what's his last name? Harrington. Steve? Harrington. Harrington. That guy's killing us. The douchebag. He calls him a douchebag. I don't know why he doesn't have a shirt on. He's got a super hard dick. <laughs> Get back in here. He keeps doing that thing where he floats the ball between his legs. It's knocking it. You ever seen Teen Wolf? That's what's going on in here. Anyway. Uh, ooh. You a little hot in here. Um, and, you know, bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Cut back to more uh, polywog research. So they meet in the AV club room, which apparently has been repaired of all fire damage. And uh, they do some impressive. See, Dustin, which would know what presumptuous means. He's an intelligent guy. He knows all the Latin, uh, the genus and familias or whatever of these fucking creatures. Familia. <laughs> That's the Spanish <laughs> word. I meant to throw some Latin in there. You know what I'm talking about? The genus? What's yeah, the other one? Yeah. Family species? It's just family. And I said I've, familia. There is, yeah, family is a, yeah, that is a thing. <laughs> Try to put a little extra pizzazz on it. <laughs> species. <laughs> the species of this creature. So they found out it's not a polywog. It's nothing known to Earth. So Dustin's convinced that he's discovered a new creature, which is perhaps a little more believable than that he's so in love with this creature. But perhaps that he's something special now. I am Dustin. I'm just the chunky kid, no teeth in the back. Mike gets the girl. Lucas is getting the other girl. I can't levitate anything. I'm never the DM. That's Dungeon Master for people who don't know. Uh, now I get something unique in this group. I can stand out in the party. I've discovered a species, and they want to take it from me and say it's from the upside down. You know that's what I'm saying? A, that's a pretty good analysis I of the situation. feel like when they're like, dude, that's probably from the upside down, he should be like, Oh, you're totally right. We got to get rid of this. Thing. I agree, but I'm trying to throw him a little Things gross, believability it's slimy, to it. It looks, it has weird motions. Oh, some legs just popped out of it out of nowhere. Yeah, like what the <laughs> fuck? I, I'm not an animal guy, so maybe that's part of where I'm coming from here. Like the minute I saw that thing, I like it, like how he calmed down. I predicted it was gonna be a gizmo esque gremlins creature. Cute, because that's what you would make you go, oh. No. <laughs> I would have shoved the plastic gun down that thing's throat in fear and screamed like Lucas when he saw Mike Myers. If I saw that thing in the trash, I would be like, ew, and just close the lid and left it there. <laughs> that <laughs> belongs in the trash. Fair enough. Mm. Mm. Indeed. Mom, what did you eat? Anyway. Um, <laughs> then we get to Bob talking about bullies. He brings uh, bologna bag lunches to his girlfriend's work for lunch and a Dr. Pepper, which is that ancient looking can. Um, he knows how to. He knows how to get it. You don't bring bologna bag lunch, and he's super stoked about it, like it's fucking sushi or something. I got bologna, bologna from Italy here for you to dine. Thriftway's best to dine upon. It's next door to the Radio Shack, so I bought it on my way. You went through five accents just. Then. <laughs> That's none of your goddamn business. <laughs> Uh, so Sean Astin bringing the heat with the cold baloney talks about bullies. So then this is where he mentions he reviewed the footage from the JVC and uh, a little bit from I wasn't even buying Winona's either where she was trying to be her old axe wielding self. Who was it? Was it the fucking Henderson's? Uh, from Harry and the Hendersons, the ones that found the, <laughs> the Bigfoot, the guy. Sasquatch. 
uh, you know, she's trying to say, I would murder them and fucking kill them, kill them, slit their throats, bury the bodies, and not tell anybody about it. And I just wasn't buying it. It just yeah. seemed kind of corny to me. I don't know, that whole scene, no go. No go. You know why I didn't like that scene? Done. Oh, Steve didn't like it? Really? I and, and I hope you don't this like baloney? Well, I don't actually. Uh, oh. <laughs> um, but I hope this isn't indicative of a problem that the rest of the series is going to have because I noticed this in the first episode. But kind of played it off because I'm like, okay, well, it makes well, sure that's an '80s callback. Sure, uh, specifically, I'm referring to the Barb parents, and there's just like a giant bucket of KFC, and it's like clear product placement. Uh-huh. And, but at the, but it played well in that scene enough where it's like, oh, they're making jokes about it, and you know, KFC was a big deal in the '80s. Sure. You mean the Dr Pepper? Yeah, and then he's just like, huh, and he does this like commercial style t- turn of his body to profile, so we can <laughs> drink the Dr Pepper out of the can, so you can see the logo clearly, and that's how they end this. And just the way they've got them staged on a bench, perfectly showing their car in the background that's framed perfectly, their yeah. car, and then he, and I'm just like, guys, we get it. He's like, you guys I'm got funding. Pretty <laughs> thirsty. Better, better drink something. What's wrong with bullies? If only there was something that they could drink to make them cool off. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Pepper. When I break a sweat hunting demogorgons from another universe... It- <laughs> okay. I don't know, did that like seem weird to anyone Yeah, Steve's else? joke was better. I get it. <laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> no, I just meant like, did anyone else think that was weird the way they framed that? I didn't and notice. I thought it was just for an Easter ego kind of vibe for sure. But I was now actually that you mention it. really annoyed with it, not for the product placement, but because it was very clearly an empty can, which they almost always do. But mm. it's like the little movements of the hand where it's like, no, nah, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't move like that. It's yeah, full. Yeah. yeah. He squishes it. Oh, shit. She <laughs> like flips it upside down. He's and got hypertension. <laughs> uh, we cut to the, a scene I did like. I'll just go ahead and write down. Uh, <laughs> Hopper uh, looms over Paul Reiser is the, my note there. So he goes in to tell Paul Reiser's. I don't forget the guy's name. Doctor Schmucky Owens. Schmuck Owens. Owens. Yeah, mm, I was way off. Okay, <laughs> Samsonite. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> Owens uh, to tell him, look, I've discovered where all of the disease uh, from these pumpkins, and it's fucking you, bro. You need to clean up your shit, stinky boy. <laughs> something like that and Paul Reiser takes none too kindly to that but there's this scene the way they shot it where when Hopper gets treated like a child and he's like look dude whatever <laughs> fuck your pumpkins Hopper like literally looms like Gandalf when <laughs> when, yeah, when, when gets, yeah, that was really good sort of like a crack smoking Gandalf uh, when Frodo gets shitty with Gandalf don't <laughs> Tempt me, Frodo. <laughs> that one. Uh, that's what I felt like with Hopper. He canned off his ass. Just, I mean, he's way taller than him. There's no magic. But, so it's different. <laughs> but he's, you can tell he's a very powerful government agent uh, with many men at his disposal. And yet, Hopper's scary. It's like, I have, there's like three guys on my payroll that have been punched by this man, and they're still not okay. <laughs> they're <laughs> Will Byers by this man's punch. They're still in comas. And he's like, uh, convince me. Coffee. Contemplation. I like C's. Compromise. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed. Kago. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, so, no, what'd you get? Do you know? No? I, like, I like that they kind of illustrated a little bit more what their quote-unquote deal is. Like, he's yes. like, I, mm-hmm. I keep everything you do here quiet, and you keep your shit out of my town. Yeah. And, your shit's in my town. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get this very like uh, what's that the reboot movie that had the rock in it? 
uh, walking, walking tall. tall. I got a very walking tall vibe. You know, you keep your shit out of my town because <laughs> I'm the Chuck Norris of this small area. Hop's going to start walking around with a two by four. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a gun. Don't eat it. It's symbolism. Don't eat it. <laughs> you said don't eat it. <laughs> Why would I eat it? Are you on the Xanax again? Don't eat it. <laughs> Tips on skins. <laughs> the, the fuel. Uh, Nancy and Jonathan. Uh, cut back to Nancy and Jonathan. So Nancy's talking to Jonathan and she's telling him what has transpired. And apparently I got a very much vibe that. This is cementing their romance. She is able to identify with Jonathan on all of these issues. Mm. You know, I can't go back and he's, he's the dark poetic friend, you know, I know there's no going back. Right. Yeah. It's like you're carrying this weight all the time. Yeah. Yeah, There was a little ham fisted, you know, like it was very clearly meant to be like, maybe I don't love Jonathan or not Jonathan, Steve. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, like he's finishing her sentences for her and he's like, I oh, I didn't touch or nothing. I just carried you in. You know, like it's yeah. like setting him up to be. Oh, you know what? I think I loved him all along. Your boots smell different when you're drunk. <laughs> just yeah, it's very obvious. I mean, I'm not. If you trust the writers, it reads like Jonathan is trying to wedge his way in, which I don't think is intentional at all. No, uh, yeah, because that's not really writing. in his character not to all. wedge himself in there. He will just pout from a distance. Yeah. I just didn't, you know, he's like the dark, the cure listening, you know, Morrissey fan that she needs right now. Uh, but yeah, she's not the one she deserves. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's actually very true. So then, you know, she decides in that moment, what if I don't love Steve? Why would I? Maybe that's why I didn't say it. You know, I don't know. Again, my cynicism and knowledge of real life is inhibiting this here, but I feel like that was flirtation and not everything was being said. Does that make sense? Mm. So if I know for a fact, I do not love Steve and I do want Jonathan's, you know, to bring it down. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to say stuff like that. Like maybe I'd, what if I don't love him? And like, you know, if you got a better car, I mean, we could, I, mean, I don't know. Jonathan didn't kill Barb. <laughs> <laughs> you could, I don't know, what is that a drunken accusation? They didn't kill Barb. No, That's but, some drunk but, she, shit. but she she feels guilty because that she she was the reason why Barb was there in the first place, and then uh-huh. she kind of sent Barb on her way home. So I can see why she's guilty. I just don't understand why she's like Stephen. You're in on we this. We killed with me. Barb. We did it with our sex. <laughs> our sex killed Barb. And then like, <laughs> whoa. And Stephen's and Steve's like, yeah, was that good? Wasn't it? The, the fuel. <laughs> the, <laughs> the fuel guys in the background like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, this is digressing too far. Uh, cut to 11 on the prowl. And this is what I referred to earlier. This was the illusion that I told Steve to await. This is the fucking part of the episode that I went batshit crazy over. It's the dumbest shit I've ever seen 11 do. You're going to approach a rural mother and her small toddler. Mama Bear is going to be on the defense. You approach the from the backyard in the middle of playtime. Just innocent on a swing set, creepy child. And where's the school? You know, uh, <laughs> it's about a mile that way. It's next to Steve's house. <laughs> <laughs> Which anyway, uh, you don't do that. And then she pulls a Batman, distracts them and just disappears in a puff of smoke, which is not an ability she has. 
<laughs> that I'm aware of. I just wanted the camera to pan and show her that he was just running. <laughs> and the whole swing, like, so I'm going to make this creepy situation that's way outside the boundaries of my rules that I know is very dangerous and worsen it by a hundredfold by using my psychic powers in front of this woman. What the fuck? She could have just walked away. Where's the school? Over there. Okay, thanks. Bye. Sorry to be in your yard. Oh, I'm not going to call the FBI because that's normal. I don't think Eleven understands manners, though. Sure, but she's learning. She's had a year of Hopper tutelage, and we all know he's a great teacher. Well, Hopper's not a great teacher. <laughs> I, well, I wish we could really see Hopper teaching her what to do, like how to make bullets and like... <laughs> Two Xanax. It's all you want to do with one Miller Lite. I'm telling you, on Tuesday, it's too much. You know, <laughs> that's how it's true. I Beautiful feel like Eleven care. would have ended that scene and be like, eh, a little stupid. Yeah, because yeah. she's like not stupid. Yeah, before. I mean, she's started. Uh, well, we can get to how bad I think it was for the character later. Oh, I definitely think it's a poorly written thing. Not only that, but I mean, in the plot, it's going to mean mucho trouble. Yeah, uh, I'll just say it now. When we cut to later, Paul Reiser's actually investigating the pumpkins, uh, and he agrees to actually help out there because Hopper scared the shit out of him. And then the one of his sociopathic cop buddies radios in. I think uh, that Murray guy might have something going on with that Russian psychic girl, which is a big leap, but okay. <laughs> um, Paul Reiser, he just had a, look, a lingering look on his face as he was getting in the car. Mm. Russian uh, psychic girl. I think he's on to Hopper a little bit. Sounds like something I would like to get into. Which is no bueno. That's uh, no good for people who don't speak Spanish. I'm sorry for the second Spanish intro there. We haven't seen the journalist detective guy at all. during. No, this. we haven't it's seen uh, Murray Bauman in a long time. Not he's on the case. Oh. He's just he's following them leads. He's out working. Um, yeah. He's working that beat. He's she, eating KFC and drinking Dr. Pepper is what he's doing. We also got a sad flashback to Hopper lying to her about her mother, um, which I kind of agree with. She doesn't have the ability yeah. to understand. Like, she's technically alive, but she's a mute, doesn't respond mm-hmm. to any stimuli. And also, by Hopper's own rules, he can't take her there. Right. It would very much endanger her, and it would just torture her to try to explain that. So... Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of agree with his decision, unfortunately, there. Mm-hmm. But then again, I, I feel bad for Terry Ives because it might snap her out of it to know that Jane's alive and well. And mm-hmm. we're, we're in the situation with a bunch of these characters where they know key information for, about people they care about and they can't share. If that is indeed her mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but isn't it funny that Hopper has a really poor track record with reading novels to children? Holy shit. <laughs> like, I wrote this that, down. He's reading that one book to his daughter and yeah. like, oh, and then the person died. Oh, I'm going to cry in the corner because I was sad. And now he's reading like, your mom's dead. Oh, yeah, kid, your mom's and dead. And then your dad died too. Yeah. And I'm like, horrible bedtime story. <laughs> what, are you, what are you reading? Does anyone know what book that was? Because I know the first book was actually a pretty cool. Sa- saving it for Egos. Okay. Yes, oh, Andy okay. knows. Okay. Andy knows that book. Okay. And then your grandma it, died. Let me, don't, your grandpa was run over by a car. <laughs> Good night. Don't spoil the ego, Andy. But is it a book that you would realistically read to a child? Yes. Mm. It is Gerald's uh, mm. game. It. It's the same book. It's the same book he was reading his oh, daughter. Oh, that's yeah. adorable. Yeah. What, what was that book again? What book was that again? Uh, Anne of Green Gables. Anne of Green Gables. Mm-hmm. So he, that's just the thing he does. Yes. Right. Is there something more to that book that ties to Hopper? Like why he would love the shit out of that book? Oh, it kind of tied into Eleven's story um, with the whole uh, girl gets sent to be foster, fostered by these people okay. that were expecting a boy. So it's and, more about Eleven and not 
Hopper in terms of metaphor. Yeah. Okay. He's like, I'm just thinking of jokes. It's time. (laughs) Time for bed, 11. Tonight, my favorite bedtime story, just to relax us a bit. Girl with a dragon tattoo. Nice tea, Lawson. Fight Club. <laughs> this is a really good one. <laughs> You're going to want to stay up for this. You ever heard of David Pinch? Uh, yeah, just her worst bedtime story ever, three exclamation points. But then we're going to awesome read Megan. American Psycho. It's great. <laughs> You'll love what he does to homeless people. It's great. You know what? Fuck it. Let's just watch the movie. Uh, 11 equals Batman. I have that. We already talked about that. Uh, Joyce reviews the tape. This was cool-ish. Um, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I don't know what the crayon on the TV worked very well, but I get it. Well, she got the trace paper. Yes, with head on hand. I get it. You know, it's the 80s. Very crafty moms back then. My mom was very crafty. Uh, so Joyce reviews the JVC tape from the Trick or Treat Night, uh, which is what I'm going to call Halloween from now on, thanks to Stranger Things, uh, or at least thanks to Netflix's synopses. <laughs> and... <laughs> Uh, she finds the the Thessal Hydra in the background. You know, she pauses the frame right after she. I assume she was looking for the bullies. Is her intention yeah. just to see what kind of night her son had? Uh, and she sees her son A screaming. Mike uh, clearly lost in space. And when she pauses it, something I never know would have noticed uh, the shape of the other dimension bleeding through. So now we know for a fact, if we didn't know before, that what Will's experiencing is not all in his imagination. Um, she traces it on the trace paper, compares it to the drawing, and has a oh shit moment. Um, so things are gearing up. I think mm-hmm. this is some sort of transition episode. I just, season one didn't have that. You know, right. every season of most TV shows has one or three of these mm-hmm. where it's just a ramping up episode. A lot of times you got to wait a whole week after a ramp up episode. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, fuck. Uh, so we don't have to do that. But so that's great. But, you know, season one didn't have that. I just feel like it was consistent wonderment mm. throughout Stranger Things season one. What are those called? Uh, bottle episodes or something? Did you ever study film? Where They do have a term. I can't remember what they are. But it's like where it's like a self-contained character story so they can save budget so they can have a so they can blow that cash on like the finale or whatever. Like, sure. So lots of TV shows have Walking those. Dead does that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um or but, like Breaking Bad had one where the entire episode they're in the RV trying to catch a bee or something ridiculous. Yeah. And like, yeah. Um, <clears throat> one thing that uh, I thought was interesting about this scene with Joyce, um, I, one, it was funny that she didn't know how to work the uh, the technology. So she had to call Bob and be like, this tape's tiny. How yeah. do I get it that to work? That was a cool moment. I do love that because that is a mom thing. Yeah. That's and such a mom thing. A throwback to how shitty it was to try to watch things yeah. at that yeah. time when we were kids. It's like all these wires and <laughs> coaxial and the red, blue, what was it? The colors, yellow, red, white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um, the This did feature something that I that I understand why movies and TV do, but it drives me nuts every time I do it is when if something happened to a character where a camera would be involved and then they play back the tape and you'll see the playback on the screen, they're reusing the shots that they used in the previous episode mm. where no camera would have had that, that look. So like they use the, sh- the upward shot of her going, Oh, exterminators, which is the same shot they use in the actual episode. And then mm. also they use the shot of the bullies yelling at a uh, will. But in that episode, will clearly 
put his camera down and it was not aiming up or anything. He was holding it down while they were yelling at him. And so just I think that's a fun, funny little continuity error. But every show does that. Yeah, you're being an asshole right now. <laughs> I know damn. I'm being an asshole. But I am. I am. But, but like, it's not something that I'm going to knock the episode for. He clearly but. didn't have a 50 millimeter lens. So that kind of framing <laughs> was impossible. <laughs> Uh, I also love when Joyce pulls out the trace paper. She holds it up like directly, like above her face, and perfectly pulls it out dramatically for the shot. It's, it's funny. Like it looks good, but no one ever would do that. Right. It's <laughs> good framing, though. Yeah. Uh, so then we cut to the Will confides in Mike, which apparently is his go-to now. So when Will decides to be honest, that you know, because he has a little flashback in the AV club room where he's like, "I think that's the slug that came out of my mouth." Which has to be a weird thing. Like, oh, this is cool, Dustin. Oh, was that in my mouth? Is that my child? I think think I'm its mom. (laughs) So then he pulls Mike aside. So Mike's apparently his go-to for weird shit now. He's like, Mike. Oh, I'm that thing's daddy. It's a long story. Uh, Call Maury. I did like uh, Finn Wolfhard's acting so much when he came in the room and they were trying to explain to Mr. Clark. Luckily, Dustin is a long-winded bastard. I'm just going to promise you won't steal my idea. Uh, he busts in. I don't. I think it's believable that Clark wouldn't do anything if somebody was that upset in his classroom. But Mike comes in. He's like, "We got to go." And Dustin's like, "But we gotta fucking go!" You know, <laughs> like, he's just really upset. Like, and Dustin's like, "Shit, all right." And all Clark's right. like, "Silly boys, just fucking <laughs> boys will be boys." Extremely upset and addressing something extremely immediate. <laughs> Enjoy. Curiosity voyage continues. Paddle down the Curiosity River, boys. Uh, and then an interesting uh, backstory. I'm so most intrigued. Um, I'm pretty sure I know what the pumpkins are now. Couldn't care less about the baby Demogorgon, uh, the Tremors 2 plot. Um, the love triangles, yeah. But I'm really digging Max and her brother. Who the fuck is Billy? He says. He is Billy. He's waiting on his sister. That bitch can skate. He's got some new hot girlfriend now. Was that Carol? <laughs> uh, and then, it was not Carol. And then he says, that's not my sister, by the Don't way. Don't call her that. Don't call her that. Who is she then? Yeah. Is she? His cousin. Number six? <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Could Max be an actual Zoomer? I think she's a Zoomer. <laughs> I don't know. That's what that's what occurred to me, though, that like he's in some sort of Hopper-esque situation, but with less agency with this. Uh, number, but why would they go to Hawkins where it starts? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they would. They're going home. They're going to do something. Yeah. Maybe Callie's not the only number we get in this show. That'd be crazy. I don't know. What do you guys? What could it be? You know. Um, I I I have no idea what she is. Hazard a guess, but uh, I I wouldn't guess that she is a one, a of, number. The, one of the numbers. Yeah. Um, I mean, she wouldn't be six. Like the eight is old, so she would be like ten, maybe. Right. You know, but. I don't know. She's got like, long hair, though, and if they shave them all. I, <laughs> yeah, that's a good I mean, point. being practical. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was maybe going to be something like uh, he's, like, her half-brother or something, her step-brother, and maybe the reason that they had to leave is, like, because he's fucking psychotic. We established that last he episode. Where he's gonna, yeah, that, like, he murdered someone, and she's, like... I don't, they had to hide it or so, I don't know maybe they overplayed how crazy he is and he's really not dangerous yeah. he's mm-hmm. actually like a good guy they just overdid it they're gonna his, steve him yeah that was my prediction in episode one it's like they're gonna steve the fuck out of this dude um I don't know 
Anyway, jury's Sydney, out on that, that couple. Little irredeemable at this point, don't you think? With the "I'm so going to run over these kids." Uh, I don't think they meant to make it look like he would have actually killed them if she didn't. You know, because I was an asshole teenager. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a lot of drugs and alcohol, and I not didn't run anybody over or threaten to, but I did <laughs> a lot of things out of ego and ignorance that I would be horrified if they were on a Netflix show right now. You mm-hmm. know, so I'm not saying he's definitely a bad guy. Um. Then we cut to the boys uh, talking again about the creature, and we get a little finally some Dungeons and Dragons references from Dustin. He's in the room. About time, um, right? Yeah, I was. God damn, I love Long those overdue. moments. So, what if he has the true sight? And Lucas is like, "What?" And then Dustin's like, "Explain it, explain it." What do you say? You can see between worlds. It's you can. Duh, Lucas. It's a gift that gives you sight into the ethereal dimension. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's now what we're going by. Um. Dart escapes uh, after Mike says we got to kill it. And, and Dustin it, it does grows the, legs. Yes. Yeah. He grows. He turns into like a frog booger, hops around the school. I feel uh, like they would have freaked out more when that thing sprouted legs. And it's also way bigger than it was that morning. Yeah. It's greener. It's bigger. Barely fits in the Ghostbuster box. What's it yeah. called? What's the Ghostbuster box called? The, the Ecto Trap. Ecto. You made that up, dude. I did. That shit. <laughs> that shit was cray. Uh, I was so, convinced. So while they're chasing around uh, for the dart, the frog dart, Eleven shows up and gets some bike nostalgia. She sees uh, Mike's bike, which she rode on the back of quite a lot. Uh, gets a little teary-eyed, just Millie Bobby Browning the shit out of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's Eleven not being with the boys that bothers me so much. Yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to psychoanalyze myself here. I think there's some definite slippery plot things going on here. Uh, that are very valid to point out, but I'm also I thinking it might be a personal thing. The, uh, what, what's that movie where the protagonists like keep missing each other? It's like serendipity or something. Probably. Um, but I, I hate Game it. Game of Thrones sequence. does that shit a lot. With or, Arya. Yeah, just you know. all the near misses. But like, this is like literally in physical proximity for like 15, 20 minutes. Yes. Just like keep taking the wrong turn, you sure. know? And, and then you think it's 11, but it's actually Max back in the locker room. Yeah. Um, there's all ships that. passing in the night. Ships mm. passing in the night. Yeah. <laughs> nice. You heard that millions of women out there that like poetry. Now you're looking at Steve. <laughs> I've been hanging out with Jaybird too much. Uh, Waxing poetically about life. Max says she wants to be the Zoomer. I love the actual uh, Dungeons and Dragons class systems pointed out. I forget who was who. Uh, Lucas is the ranger. I remember that. Lucas is the ranger. Actual physical one. Dustin's he's, the bard. He's got the ranged weapon. Uh, Dustin's the bard. Yeah. Will is the mage. No, no. No, no, no. Mage is the mage. Uh, Will magic. is the paladin. Oh, because he's the purist. No, I thought that uh, Mike was the paladin. Will was the cleric. Oh, yeah. You're right. Okay. You're you right. right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas? Um, you're right. And then I, when he, he's using that as his argument for why Max can't join, I'm sitting there like, aren't there like eight more classes that she could potentially be? She could be the rogue. Yeah. Oh, she invented one. I'm a Zoomer. He's like, you know, that would have, any real nerd would have been like, you're definitely not hanging out with her. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the fourth edition? No. Um, and I just felt as soon as Eleven heard his voice, I was like, She's going to walk around the fucking corner the moment they're having an actual fun moment and be super pissed. And it's going to piss me off at how pointless it is because plots like this go nowhere. They mm-hmm. always get resolved. Mm-hmm. The only time I like it in a tragic way, like if Eleven 
went in there, saw that, left, angry, got in some trouble, came back, and next time she saw Mike, snapped his fucking neck, tragically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, not knowing what was really going on. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, that moved the plot in a direction that I do not enjoy, but it moved it. Or if Max, like, cracked her skull when she got knocked off. Sure. You yeah. know, uh, any kind of actual repercussion other than delaying the inevitable, mm-hmm. I would be on board with it. But mm-hmm. I just know that's not the case. Um, we got nine episodes, guys. Come on. <laughs> right. Uh, Jealous 11 was the note there. Um I do like that the pettiness of Eleven is just kind of like, bitch, go off that skateboard. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> my man. I liked it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what what would happen if you were um, pubescent, hormonal, jealous 13-year-old with powers? You know? So, I did like that little insight. It would be a, just a shit storm. That girl would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what yeah. would be the case? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, we cut to a phone call from Joyce checking on her son, Will. And I love that the administrative office of the school is like, Joyce Byers. It's like... Crazy bitch calling line two. What do you want, Joyce? And then she's like, oh, I'm just checking. Will says at AV Club. And, uh, oh, there's no AV Club today. And then we got this cut that I loved. This, like, Edgar Wright cut. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, it was like these quick, like, key <laughs> really turning, quick gear shift down. Yeah. yeah. Super love that. It it's, uh, came out of nowhere. That added to the comedy of the... Uh, the, the administrator's going, uh, it's Joyce, overprotective mom. Yeah. What, he's not here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joyce, wait, what? Yeah. Um, and then we, uh, in the bathroom where they finally find Dart, uh, we get the scene that I also hated where uh, Will gets freaked out. But I love, it's kind of funny, the beginning of it, because Will's like, I got him. And then the thing's like, <laughs> and he's like, ah! And it just runs. <laughs> and then gets shocked into the upside down. Um so then Joyce, I uh, just realized that she, what happened. So fucking Will's getting bukkakied by the fucking Thessal Hydra and Joyce is racing there and he's not okay. He's mm-hmm. back in the upside down. We don't know what's going on with him. No. Will. <laughs> Where's Will? Oh. Where's Will? I just realized for Joyce, I'm just feeling empathy for Joyce that oh. she's racing there. In her mind, I, I'm, I'm a hypochondriac, so I know what this is like. Like, it's not a heart attack. It's not a heart attack. It's like, it is. It is. No, it's not. It is. So she's racing to the school like, oh, my God, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's fine. He's just lied. He's a little fucker. It's not going to happen ever again. But he's not okay. And then he's really not. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> well. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Why is he not okay? Uh, he's being all <laughs> filled by the Tesla Hydra. I don't know what's going on. He's got a tornado arm in his face. And so the the, the advice that... He's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, he, he tries to take Bob's advice and turns yeah. around because he, he ran out of the school. He booked it out of that school. And he's like, no, no. I'm going to it go away. I'm telling that Mr. Baldo, no. <laughs> and he turns around. He's like, go away. <laughs> Go away! Giant tornado. That was really sad. Some great acting. Yeah, uh, I was worried before the season started. I was worried about was the actor that plays Will. I think it's no no yeah. snap. Yes, I was. Yeah, because because we didn't get it. He didn't get a lot of you know scenery Screen last time. season. Sure. So like, I was really worried that maybe his acting wasn't up to snuff, and he's been crushing it. Yeah, he has. He he's has. snuffing it. He's, he's he's been getting snuffed though, is what I think. Yeah. So how ballsy would it be if they just killed Will? <laughs> oh my god that'd be insane. I would love it I mean not in a sadistic way <laughs> I would love it but that's, yeah, that's a brave choice to like no. bring him back after the first season and just kill him pretty I early. don't think that's what happened I do not but it would be bold mm-hmm. 
Be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. Bold move, Cotton. <laughs> I also want to point out on a lighter note, the graffiti in the bathroom where they find Dart uh, by Mr. Was it Mr. Jefferson's room? Um, oh, no, it's like an Italian name. Yeah. Mr. Scrolling Lam- Lombardi? <laughs> Scalarno? Yeah, Scalarno, I think. It's- Mr. Scalarno's room. Uh, the graffiti was very inaccurate. It was like some really cheesy creepy pumpkins <laughs> i don't know if you guys uh for the students or students for the listeners who have never been in a high school boys bathroom creepy pumpkins is not what's on there it's, not, <laughs> it's all <laughs> dicks and mother's phone numbers and really what they did to jessica hayes and all that is what it is for uh, a good time call how cool would it have been just a just a, a big triumphant vanny bastard <laughs> in the background there instead of that pumpkin that would have been really <laughs> That'd have been great. Anywho, I don't like on. the imagery of um, D'Artagnan. D'Artagnan, which already looks like a giant shit, <laughs> slithering around on a bathroom yeah. tile with a toilet in view, and Dustin's like, "Oh, I found D'Artagnan. Let me put him in my fucking hat." <laughs> Ew. Ew. What if it wasn't him? He just mistook it, a giant turd. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Hanky's going on my hat. Stay low. Howdy, <laughs> <laughs> how boys. So, ah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> what did you guys think of the CG work on Dart? Dart? Pretty I, good. I'd give it about a B. The only time that I wasn't very sold on it was when the kids were all passing it around. It was very clearly yeah. just child actors like holding sack. their hands at each other. I was yeah. not buying it almost yeah. at any point. Really? A yeah. few of them were good. I don't like, I mean, the texture and lighting on it's pretty good. It's the animation. It, it's too, like, lively. Yeah. It's like always like, oh, I'm D'Artagnan. <laughs> I'm going to wiggle all around constantly. Oh, I got a neck and I can turn my head. I'm freaking out. A little little mole mouth. You know what I think they should have done is if it is a, a dead, fuck, a baby Demogorgon. A Demababygorgon. <laughs> a baby Demogorgon. That's what I was going to say. If it is a baby Demogorgon, which I think it is, I think a cooler reveal would have been to all treat it like a frog. And like the end of this episode maybe would have been like zoom in on the uh, aquarium and then it opens its flower petal face. Yeah. You know what I mean? That would have been dope. That's what I expected when it zoomed in on the aquarium before the credits rolled. Um, so Duffers, call me from Streaming Things. Email StreamingThingsPod at gmail.com <laughs> if you are the Duffer Brothers. We know you're listening. If you, you need are. somebody in the writer's room. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so moving on, Andy, what's our very next segment? Our very next segment is chocolate pil- pudding. Uh, we struggled chocolate on- pilgrim. <laughs> chocolate pilgrim. <laughs> chocolate pudding. Um, that's where we uh, pick our top three favorite moments of the episode. We struggled this time. Steve, what's your number three? My number three is the scene where uh, Bob is driving Will to school and tells him the tale of Mr. Baldo. Um, I like that scene because it kind of it, it shows. I mean, I know you guys think that Bob is evil. But if he wasn't evil, I think it's a nice scene of him like actually legitimately trying to reach out to this kid and help him in some way. And also, who isn't afraid of clowns? Mm. And that is always advice. Like, if someone is picking on you at school, just stand up to them. And that's how you overcome your fear is by facing it. So Bob's just like, I did a good thing today. Dude, yeah, you did. (laughs) He was high-fiving himself at Radio Shack all day. (laughs) Chris or Andy? Andy, what is your number two? My number three would be the uh, (laughs) Dustin stealing books um, from the library. Uh, His little uh, explanation of his curiosity voyage and how he has to have his battles. And that lady's just like, uh, you can only have five. Uh, Just, you know, a little Dustin moment. Uh, 
I also uh, used to work in a library and I would hate it when people would not bring stuff back because they'd be trying to check stuff out and they'd be like, well, no, I totally brought that back already. It's like, no, you sir, you super didn't. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so I, I just had a little flashbacks of that. We have a very thorough uh, check-in squad here. So you know what it's called? The check-in squad. <laughs> Dude, that was always a super awkward conversation when people yeah. would like, oh, what do you mean I have a $500 fine? <laughs> well, you've had this for like eight years. <laughs> You checked Shocker. out like 40 DVDs, dude. Did yeah. you also work in a library? I Steve? did. Wow. I did not work in a library. What about you, buddy? My number three is Dustin and his mother, Claudia. Uh, the opening scene <laughs> when he comes home and that maniacal laughter, uh, the whole comedic awkwardness there. And I love that lady. I recognize her from a shitload of things. Just her name. I'm drawing a blank on her. Anything mm-hmm. that she's been in. Uh all I do is make fun of her for looking like a 40 years younger version of the poltergeist lady so far. But <laughs> I do actually like that lady a lot. Uh, Steve, you're number two. My number two is the very, very end of the episode when uh, Will is running away from the Thessal Hydra and they keep using these cutbacks to uh, Bob telling him about that Mr. That was Bono. so fucking good. God yeah. damn it. Why did I, I put that? I love the way they <laughs> ended the episode where, you know, they the, he, it's, he would say, this is what I did. I, I stopped running and Will stops running. And then I faced him and he turns around and then it starts like fucking up with Will. And then, uh, he goes easy peasy, just like that. And he yeah. snaps his fingers and the show ends. Like I, I as love an, that as an editor thing is yeah. why you appreciate that. Yeah. That yeah. was very There's good. There's some really good, good edits. This, this episode yeah, it's super like, um, the usual suspects mm-hmm. just like that. He's gone. Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. And then he doesn't limp anymore. <laughs> Andy, what's your number two? Uh, my number two is the maniacal laughter at the opening. Just so awkward, so weird. We were all like maniacally laughing with it while it was happening. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, it was uh, uh, cool to get to see a little more in- insight into Dustin's home life just because it's a character that we love. And we've seen so much of everyone else's, but not his. Right. Um, and uh, just uh, the way that he tried to play off like, oh yeah, no, I totally, I put a motor in this thing and his mom super doesn't believe him. She's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> he starts laughing. <laughs> so fucked up. I loved it. Oh, oh man. You. What's what, a motor? <laughs> what's your number two, Chris? Is it my number two? Is uh, when Eleven leaves the house as much shit as I talked about it. Uh, it was one of my favorite moments of the episode uh, purely because of the soundtrack. I forget, I don't know if the song, the subtitles didn't say the song. It was just generic 80s metal song. But that look on Molly, Millie Bobby Brown's face, which you guys know I love, um, not the face, the look, well, the face. And then she storms out. And even though I don't agree with the framing of her decision and all that stuff, uh, just that, you know, like, am I singing Pantera? It wasn't Pantera, but it a lot cooler if it was. Or no, that was Marilyn Manson, I think. Yeah. The beautiful people. The beautiful people. Out of it, Damn it! They need to call me for these decisions. <laughs> I can help. Uh, yeah, I just I I'm full on board with her fucking just coming out of nowhere with some badassery here soon. Not just hurting innocent girls with skateboards with her powers. Uh, Steve, you're number one. Uh, my number one is eleven leaving the house. Number one. Uh, pretty much the the scene from when they start because they don't they start off with the, uh, the montage of them. Yes, cleaning the house. Oh, you're pulling Andy into the whole shebang. Yeah, because I think it, I think it plays well together because they do the sure. montage and he's like, all right, three rules, and they again. It actually I, is like a perfect little short film. Yeah. Yeah, and I love. I again, this is another editing thing where I love how he says the rules and then they cut to her breaking them and. Uh, I just really like how that played out where he's like, okay, don't open the shades and dramatically opens the shades and then so on and so forth. And, yeah. and uh, I think 
I think, this is my theory, you would have liked the scene a lot better if they just didn't have her go, not stupid, and keep going. <laughs> if she just like looked stoically and then looked at the tripwire and then just went right past it. No, you're absolutely right. That was the only thing that discolored that. It's more so knowing the, the fucking swing set thing. <laughs> it was so stupid. And there's no emotion behind it to mm-hmm. like make that decision. You know what I mean? Oh, I yeah, she's swing set's stupid. pent up. It's just, why are you picking on that lady? Just tell her. <laughs> okay, thanks for the info. I got turned around. I was smoking weed back here. <laughs> I don't know where I am. You know what I mean? Like, Literally anything with Psychic Swing would have worked. Andy, you're number one. Uh, my number one is also Eleven Breaks the Rules, uh, cleaning montage. Just I love the little things about it, like Eleven being taught how to sweep and uh, like getting dust in her face, you know, yeah. little itty-bitty mm-hmm. things Adorable like that. Things. Yeah, and like uh, when they're setting the tripwire, like... Uh, Hoppers explain like is if they is gonna go boom and she like jumps and he like giggles at her jumping and stuff just little adorable moments that yeah as a whole make a great scene awesome uh, you guys are totally right by the way just like with the ghost thing uh, this is the best moment of the show but it's not the one I picked <laughs> picked a very small moment that for some reason I loved and can't quite uh, articulate <laughs> uh, Hopper looming over Paul Reiser. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> just ganned off in the shit out of him. I don't know why. I loved it so much. <laughs> yes. I am not trying to rob you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Convince me. Uh, anyway, Steve, don't we have another segment that's like going to top off this last 12 minutes here pretty we well? We do. That last segment is called Easter Eggos. What is that? Uh, Easter Eggos when we uh, review the film or the show and we pick out <laughs> cultural references uh, that they have put there in the show. I'm not good at introducing this segment. Why'd you make me start doing this? <laughs> he's not laughing at you. I I'm seriously not. doubt he's laughing at you. I'm not. Dibs on skin. That's <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, one nineteen. If you just want to give it a check. Oh, it's going in. Okay, uh, I'm confident. Let's just get the fuck out of here. And <laughs> we promise we're usually super awesome. Dibs on skins. Um, some quick low hanging egos. Just rattle them off. I'll start. Uh, there was an ET figure sitting next to the turtle aquarium. There was. There was. I couldn't figure out what the other one was. It's a He Man. Is it He Man? I, I thought, thought it was Hulk Hogan. Hogan. I if it was He Man. <laughs> I totally Hogan. wrote down Hulk Hogan. <laughs> it was actually Brooke Hogan. Uh, <laughs> Damn, Steve. You always do that. Ugh. <laughs> I mean, it's Brooke Hogan. Did anyone Google. Does your... anyone like Brooke Hogan? <laughs> yeah. Did not Gawker. I don't even know who that is. That's Hulk daughter. Hogan's daughter. Oh, right on. She has tried to be in some movies, namely like Two-Headed Shark. <laughs> Did anyone Google Yurtle to yeah. see if that was something? Uh, it's uh, Dr. Seuss book, Yurtle the Turtle. Oh, oh motherfucker. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm cussing nice. a lot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, D'Artagnan. Three Musketeers, not an 80s thing. It's more of a uh, Dumas thing. But <laughs> They're saying that about the Bible these days. Yeah. <laughs> that it was, it was written by Alexander Dumas. Uh, I'm going to call Mr. Baldo equals Mr. Frodo, a weak-ass ego that I had. Um, uh, there was a Walkman reference. Should mm-hmm. I stop? Am I taking everybody's? I don't have many. Uh, there was a Blondie poster in Nancy's room. Ooh, I did not see that. Nice. Booyah! <laughs> Nailed it. Spotted the poster. Um, I actually looked sideways at you guys and you weren't moving your pens. And I was like, sweet. Gotcha. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
ghosting these motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there was a Dr. Pepper can. <laughs> it's a real weak one for me. Oh, I got a big one. Baldo equals Pennywise reference. Oh, damn yeah, it. Get off that. my ego, bro. Did you guys yeah. really? Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely so like, an evil clown haunting a person's dreams. And offering th- him a balloon. Yeah. That when mm-hmm. confronted has no power, yeah. which is how mm-hmm. Pennywise works. And then they're reminiscing about it 27 years later. <laughs> and then they all had sex in the sewer. <laughs> Happens in the book. Stephen King, right, you weird guy. guy. Uh, what did I leave? Sorry, guys. I got antsy. Uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll rattle mine off. Um, uh, again, they do another homage to Alien with a cat hissing. Um, yeah. In the very mm. beginning when uh, Dustin Brent, his uh, trap rattles. Yeah. Um, there was a pretty, yeah, my hand motion. You look like a homeless guy asking for change. change. <laughs> uh, there was a pretty sweet, uh, I think it's a Ralph McQuarrie Star Wars poster, concept poster in Dustin's room when he first walks in. Of uh, an X, or I'm sorry, a Y wing. I think it's a Y wing flying by. Stupid idiot. <laughs> uh, when they are cleaning Hopper's granddad's uh, cabin. hut cabin, I couldn't think of the word for cabin. <laughs> um, they're going through records, and there was a Super Tramp record, and also, of course, they start playing the Jim Croach song. Um, it's a really good song for that montage. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was perfect. Um, Although I was kind of wondering, like, what are they going to use for Super Tramp? I'm kind of interested in that. <laughs> uh, there's an Apple logo clearly on display when in the AV Club. Uh, just a giant yeah. Apple. It's almost like a flag of Apple that they had huh. on the wall. And then last but not least, when uh, they're discussing D'Artagnan and whether or not he's evil, and uh, Dustin argues, you know, just because he's from the Upside Down doesn't necessarily mean he's evil. Um Mike says, huh, that's dumb. That's like saying anybody that was on the Death Star is not evil. Which clerks proved that they were not all evil. They were independent contractors. Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, terrible argument by Mike. I agree. I only have one left, which was uh, in the radio shack at which Bob works, there was an Armatron up there on the top shelf. It's this toy from the 80s that uh, has little remote controls, and it's just got an arm that's got a mouth thing that you can open and close. You can pick stuff up and (laughs) have it spin. I still have it in my closet, dude. I fucking love that thing. The Armatron? Yeah, I saw that out there. Yes! (laughs) That reminds me, I was watching Toy Story earlier, and the claw decides who stays and who goes. The claw. I'm a try. He'd get him squatch. Um, <laughs> and it still squatch. works. That's all I got. Does it really? Mm-hmm. Does it run on batteries? It does. Hmm. And he's got the verified Armatron in his closet. And you heard it here first. Thank you so much for listening. That's all we have for this episode. Stay tuned for our reviews of chapters four and five, probably dropping maybe more than that. We're going to uh, just hit it hard in the next couple nights. Uh, this episode should be dropped at the same time as number two. So mm-hmm. you're good to go. Uh, please take a moment to rate and review our podcast. I cannot say that enough. We've got some stiff, like just Billy stiff competition out there. <laughs> <laughs> and we're really trying to, to compete. Uh, email streamingthingspod at gmail.com with any of your feedback. And don't forget to join the contest if you want to win the gift card. Anybody else have anything to say? Take skins. Follow me <laughs> on Twitter at C. Michael Rudd. Follow Steve at uh, Steve.com or some shit. SteveMayFilms.com. Okay. <laughs> Steve.com. Shit. <laughs> uh, Andy is Inkwell Verbal at Inkwell Verbal on Twitter. And he's also Andy on Facebook. Uh, that's what we got. For he's the- just Andy. <laughs> that's all just we search got. Andy pops up. Andrew Casson. That's his name. I'm Chris Rudd. 
I'm Steve May. Yeah, you already <laughs> said that, Steve. Get out of the spotlight. That's all we got for today. <laughs> My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this has been Dibs on Skins. Dibs on Skins. <laughs> I said dicks on Skins earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan is my note, and I'm dry. <laughs> it's, it's when uh, uh, they're, oh, they're talking about on the car at lunch. Yeah, yeah. Aha! Thank you, Stephen. Uh, You're welcome, my lord. <laughs> bring it back. Uh, yeah. So now she, if Steve's not pissed enough, she's gonna go have lunch with Jonathan and talk about how. Yeah, Steve thinks I'm fucking you. You know, that's not what I said. <laughs> so she's just bringing it down, you know, and he's that's not what she's doing either. Edit point. <laughs> 45, 42. She's bringing it down. <laughs> what the fuck does that mean? Nancy Wheeler bringing it down. <laughs> With the Jaybird. Nobody was going to say anything on that. Nope. You guys just let me run. Yep. Nancy's, you know, it's bringing it down. It was up. <laughs> She's got to do her down thing. You want Nancy to bring the hammer down? <laughs> Jonathan's just living the gym. <laughs> what? Dibs on scams. <laughs> <laughs>